Hey, welcome back to the 1% Podcast with David Nurse. For this episode, we will be listening in on David's past conversation with Jim Quick. Jim is a leading expert in brain health and optimization, and in this episode, they discuss how we can use the brain to reach our full potential and peak performance. Hope you enjoy. Why do you think that people overall underestimate the power of the brain? Why do people see it as such a fixed concept and not something that can be utilized for growth? You know, I think that is the age-old question. You know, I'm so excited about where we are because I believe we are in the millennium of the mind, yeah. as, as, I, as I coin it, because I believe the mind controls everything. You know, no longer are people solely compensated just for their brute strength. It's also their brain strength, right? And it's not just your muscle power. It's also your mind power, your ability to solve problems, your ability to outthink, and, and the speed at which you learn and think and change. Things are happening so rapidly. Um, so I feel, feel that people underestimate because there was this false paradigm thinking that the brain is static, that intelligence is fixed, that memory or retention is fixed, like your shoe size. And what we discovered in the past 20 years, we discovered more in neuroscience, more about the brain in the past 20 years than the previous 2,000 years combined. And we found us we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. It's in fact far from fixed. You know, with uh, you know areas of science like neurogenesis and neuroplasticity is basically saying we can create new brain cells to the day we die. Neuroplasticity is saying our brain is more like plastic, where in a good way, where it's malleable, and having new thoughts creates new connections, and that really is what learning is. And it's interesting. What really promotes neurogenesis and neuroplasticity are two things: novelty and nutrition. Mm. Just like if you want to be, uh, build physical muscles, you work it out, you give it novelty, you stimulus, and then you give it nutrition, you feed that muscle. Same thing with your mental muscles. And so I believe the most powerful supercomputer on the planet, our greatest wealth is found between our ears. The only challenge, David, and you, and we were talking about this before, is that your brain doesn't come with an owner's manual. <laughs> and it's not friendly, right. And uh, everything else that you go out there and buy, you can buy technology, everything comes with instructions on how to use it. But it's not user friendly. And school certainly didn't teach us how to maximize and optimize our brain health and our ability to learn and focus and concentrate and make quick decisions on and off the court. Right. And so I believe that one of the disservices we have, if people are struggling right now with the things we help people with, digital overload, too much to learn, too little time, mm-hmm. people are drowning information. They have books on yeah. the shelf that they haven't read yet. It becomes shelf help and not self help. Right. <laughs> Drowning in emails and app notifications, all these different things, but they're starving for practical wisdom. Nice. Um, besides digital overload, another supervillain is digital distraction. You know, how can you focus? Is, is the game right? Focus yeah. is superpower. If you can't have focus, you can't get things done. You can't perform at your best and be in that flow, those flow states, if you will. And um, but we live in a world full of distraction, app notifications, social media alerts. You know, our phone is in a way it's convenient, but it's also crippling us. You know, we, you know I have a video out; it's been shared. Some of them six million, thirty-five million views. Uh, just stop looking at your phone the first hour of the day because you have to protect yourself. Man, right? So because good. Oh, and it's rewiring your brain to be distracted. You're going to get these dopamine floods with every like, share, comment, cat video. <laughs> the other thing is training you to be, which is equally, um, which really holds you back, is, is rewiring your brain to be reactive also. Mm. Meaning that if you're just responding and reacting to the, you know, a text message or a voicemail or an email, which, you know, I mean, one message could ruin your whole day. Yeah. You know, especially when you're 
relaxed state of awareness when you first wake up. You know, you're very creative and you're in the, you're very suggestible also, also as well. And so you pick up your phone and it's training you. We've never had it's rampant. You know, they say that our, our focus is less than a goldfish and Gosh. can't get anything done. People are trying to multitask, even though the science is absolutely clear that multitasking is a myth. That if you feel like you're doing two cognitive activities at once, you're not really, you know, what you're really doing is task switching. You're switching from one task to another. And actually what happens is you lose two things. You, um, you lose the efficacy of the, the, what you're doing, meaning that you make more mistakes, and you also lose time. People think when they're multitasking, they're being able to save time. But if anything, there takes anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes to regain your focus and yep. your flow. Yep. So that's a big supervillain that's holding, you know, but athletes everybody you know whether you're an accountant or an athlete you know entrepreneur an educator you have digital overload digital distraction and the third one i'm really concerned about the third supervillain that's holding people back besides digital overload and digital distraction is digital dementia and you're going to be hearing a lot a lot about this coming up in you know the next couple of years it's basically where we're so dependent on our smart devices it keeps our to-dos our schedules it does Man. simple math I remember I was out the other day with ten. We were ten of us at dinner. The, the check comes, and then looking at it, three people took out their phones to find the calculator to divide the check by ten, right? Which is just, <laughs> you know, just the decimal point, like over one. But we're so dependent on our smart devices. Like think about David. How many phone numbers did you know growing up? Man, I knew phone numbers growing up, and that's a really good question because I, I I'm engaged. I don't even know my fiance's phone number. How bad is that? Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. And then that, here's the thing: like we don't want to. No one wants to memorize. I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, yeah. but we've lost the ability to remember one. Exactly. Right, and that's the thing: we've lost that mental the power, the memory muscle, if you will, to remember uh, a PIN number or a passcode or a conversation we had with somebody recently, or a hotel, what hotel room we're in, or even you know, a <laughs> phone. Because you know, what if you lose your phone, or your phone is you know battery dies, or whatever? You can't call. You know, your fiance, right? Or something yeah. you call every single day or text every single day. And, and so it's convenient, but it's also crippling, much like sometimes technology where people are taking elevators and cars everywhere. They don't get the physical exercise or the movement that they should have. And because they're so dependent on technology to do the work for you. And if you put your arm in a sling for six months, would it would it grow stronger? No. It wouldn't even stay the same. It would add yeah. nothing grow weak. And a lot of people, that's what digital dementia is right now. It's very dependent on a GPS to tell you when and where to turn. They're saying that GPS, because of it, we're not getting early detection of, of dementia because if you're relying on technology telling you where and when to turn, you're not noticing when you would normally have a memory lapse and you're not going to a doctor to get checked out. So these are this is the other side of technology and we're so dependent Man. on so addicted to it and if you pick up your phone out of just habit or just boredom, there's a problem because the technology is a tool you should use right, to make your life better. But if you're just picking it up out of boredom, then the technology is using you, then who becomes mm-hmm. the tool? Who's the tool in that equation, right? <laughs> it becomes us. So our yeah. smartphones sometimes in a way are they're making us not so not so smart. And my my thesis here, Brett, with everyone listening, is that you are smarter and faster than you think. You know, our podcast, Quick Brain, is about exactly the two most valuable assets you have, quickness, which is time. Because that's the one thing you can't get back. People could always make more money, but they can't get their time back. Great point. But the other thing is your brain. is It's like it's all our wealth. Even people, you know, especially people need to perform in at the highest levels, whether they're CEOs or founders or, you know, whatever. They're technology, they're scientists, 
they're great dancers or athletes, they have to use the power of their mind. And it is the most underutilized resource we have because we just don't know how to use it. Because school taught us what to learn and what to think, but they didn't teach us how to learn and how to think. And that would have been much more useful. Classes, instead of, I mean, it's great. Spanish and history tells us what, but what about classes on concentration? I know. On how to focus, on how to quickly problem solve, on critical thinking, on effective listening skills, right? Or on speed reading, right? Many, you know, many people know I read a book a day. Yeah. This is something I've done for years and years and years, and everyone can do that. I'm not special at all. The ability to remember things. Now, you know, they teach you three R's in school reading, writing, and arithmetic. But what about remembering and retention? You know, Socrates says there is no learning without remembering. And even, you know, if you need to remember plays and poems, oh, yep. people are so forgetful. I and mean, they're wasting so much time trying to study using antiquated skills of just repetition. And there's so many better ways of doing that. And that's really my mission is to show people how really mentally powerful they are. You know, these mental superpowers of focus and concentration and learning rapid reading and skill acquisition. Gosh. It's all, it's all, I mean, this is the science is so exciting. The time <laughs> you just juice me up big time. Just, just yeah. hearing all this. You, all of that, there's so much good stuff, so much golden. Like, even yeah. as the main point in that all is being your brain is your wealth. So, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that, obviously. And I really like the point, too, that you talked about of being a, the movement and the nutrition, the novelty of the brain. So there's a lot of aspects going into helping the brain become better focused and become more in flow state. So as your brain is your wealth, and as we cater a lot of this audience to high performers and athletes and the NBA, the brain it can be your biggest utilization tool that most people will underestimate to the max, and that is your wealth. So let's let's go in on decision making because in the NBA is so much goes into decision making for the players on court, for the coaches making decisions, for the GM's management on what players and millions of dollars to go into. So what are some steps that we can start taking to increase our decision making prowess? Yeah. So here's the thing. So knowing what the research is saying is that people have suffer from uh, decision fatigue. Hmm. Research is showing that we can only make a certain amount of good decisions a day. Money. And then after that is spent, then yeah, I think people could relate to this, right? You have a long day, you're making those decisions, and then you're sitting maybe at a restaurant because you're too tired to cook, and you're looking at a menu, and you're with somebody, and you're like, I don't know. I, I can't even make a decision on what I want to eat today, yep. right? Or I don't know what I want to do because they've used up all their decisions. And that's why... You know, some of our YouTube videos and Facebook videos have had these millions of views. And there's one where I talk about Mark Zuckerberg and Tony Shea and these leaders of companies like Facebook and Zappos and how they wear the same clothing every single day. Right? Tony Shea, who I've done a lot of training for the past 10 years for Zappos and his organizations, he always wears the same Zappos T-shirts. Nice. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, you'll see him wearing that sweatshirt a lot. Yeah. And, and obviously, they have many different... You know, just like me, I always wear brain shirts. You know, I have the largest collection in the world of brain shirts. <laughs> it's awesome. Why, if you ask them why do they wear the same shirt every single day for the most part, they'll tell you is because, you know, they don't want to waste one of their good decisions on what am I going to wear today. It's true. Right? And that's the thing. So they systemize everything. So coming back from that, knowing that you want to save and systemize your your mental energy, your beauty, a lot of people suffer from brain fog or mental fatigue. 
Um, and they know this from working with doctors and that's why sleep is such an important part of, you know, to prioritize it. I know you talked about that a lot on your show because, you know, you could do all these things and get a crappy night's sleep. And then how do you, how do you, what kind of decisions you make the next day, how exactly. the next day, your focus the next day, you know, your energy the next day. And so there is a good model. There's another powerful model. One of the reasons why people can't make solid, good decisions is first of all, they haven't exercised their decision-making muscles because like anything, I believe mm. people walk out with one idea out of this conversation is to be an elite mental performer. You know, and I've had the chance to work with everyone from an Elon Musk to a Will Smith, and, you know, people in, in different who are, who excel at, at their field, the best of the best to be an elite mental performer. You have to stand guard first of all, to, to the doors of your mind, right? Because there was a lot of energy vampires because, you know, especially if that opportunity as you become more and more successful, there's the opportunity stress also because there's so many opportunities coming yeah. to you. Yeah. That's, I would recommend a lot of people, you know, we all have a to-do list, the elite mental performers have a not to do list. Nice. And helps them to save on their mental energy. Like one of the things, you know, for me, everything in life is like a hell yes or a hell no. And if I don't feel that in my gut, I don't I don't say yes. Like if like for example, like I'm I've been looking forward to this conversation because it was, it was a hell yes right from the start. Thanks, man. Like that when people make because I think a lot of people can't make good decisions because they're mentally fatigued because mm-hmm. they say yes too much so they have more too many tabs open on their computer right every time you say yes you open up another tab and even if you minimize it it still takes up space it still takes up energy it t- still takes up you know some kind of focus even if it's not conscious right so say no a lot more and on top of that list I would say no do not touch your phone the first hour of the day if you want to mm-hmm. boost your productivity performance you know start your day I, for me. I have three things. I write down three things every morning. Like it. Um, three personal things and three professional things nice. for that specific day. And because, you know, I don't want to start my day reacting to fighting everyone else's fires, right? I want everybody who's listening to this to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Meaning that, and I know your high achiever listeners could appreciate this. A thermometer, the primary function is it reacts to the environment. Right, it literally just reacts to the environment, but that that's that's a horrible way to live. Yeah, and all that's, we do react to the weather, we react to politics, we react to how clients treat us, you know, because we are human. But to the degree we can be more of a thermostat, what does a thermostat do? It doesn't react; it gauges the environment, but then it sets a temperature, and that you know, and that temperature could be a goal, it could be a vision, it could be a dream, it could be some kind of performance goal, KPI. Nice then the environment rises to be able to meet that new standard. And I think that's what leadership really is. I think it's about taking the invisible and then making it visible. And so having a not to do list and, you know, being very clear, it's, you know, the book is good to great, say no to good. So you can say yes to the, to the great things and having energy like that in terms of tools and making a great decision too. I think one of the reasons why people can't make really good decisions is because they're stuck inside their own box. Meaning, all innovation, so good. innovation is just a process of thought and thinking and creativity. There's, there's a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution that says that all innovation in automotive and fashion, uh, in technology, comes from somebody outside of the industry. Because it takes somebody from the outside to look in, saying, without the same limitations, the learned helplessness that they grew up with in that schooling, 
why aren't you doing it this way? You know, it takes like an Elon Musk to look at the automotive industry, you know, or space or whatever he's looking at saying, you know, with today's technology, how would you make a car, right, without any kind of limitations? And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is one of the things that keeps us also, besides making a, a good decision, going back to the, the, the big takeaway, the goal is to take nouns and turn them into verbs. Oh, nice. Them into verbs, meaning you could hear people's strategies and their limitations in their language. People come to me all the time to say, Jim, I don't have motivation, I don't have energy, I don't have focus today, you know, I, I don't have good memories, whatever it is. Those are not things you have, they are not nouns, those are verbs, meaning you don't have focus, you do focus. Yes, right? You have creativity, you do creativity, you don't have motivation. You do motivation. And that really is the secret to getting yourself on the court, practicing, doing all the disciplined things, because what you practice in private, you're rewarded for in public, right? Yep. And that's really what shows up, all the work you did when no one was looking that really shows up, because I believe the life you live are the lessons you teach. And that's congruency, right? That's leadership. A lot of people could quote everybody else, you know, what they say, but you don't know it unless you do it. I think that's the biggest perfect. In the high performance personal development space, is that knowledge is power? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, knowledge is power. Then there'd be people that would be really, really successful in academia because they studied all this stuff. Depending on how you rate success, but here's the truth: knowledge is not power; it's only potential power. Because the, all the books and the podcasts and the coaching programs, potential online, power, yep. all of that, all of that, none of it works unless you work. Yep. That's the truth. Right? People think they get points just by going to an event or coaching or anything, but if they're not applying it, because the ultimate goal, the end goal of education and high performance and personal development is really action, because otherwise you get no results. But why do people like stall? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Why do people mm-hmm. put off the things that are really important to them or they know they should do? Why do they procrastinate? I mean, those these are epi- episodes we've done, some of our highest watched episodes for our podcast or to podcasts or things like why do I self-sabotage you know how do I create a new habit right we all know first you create your habits and then your habits you. nice you create your habits meaning you know your, your journaling your meditation your, your your diet your workout your discipline on the court um, but then you're then those habits become you but even more than that it's the habit of showing up you know it's yep. that that's really the habit most people I believe success has two parts to it 50% of it is showing up because most people don't show up in life. Yep. The other half of success is playing full out. You can't just show up there. you got to play full out. you got to train. You know, and because here's the thing, and you've heard it before, that we don't, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. And most people have not done the deep work. But it comes back to taking a noun, which is passive. Which is oh I, I imagine waking up and waking up saying oh I hope I have focus today <laughs> I know yeah I, I hope I have five today oh, I, man. I hope you know, I hope I have creativity or whatever it is to, that's going to make them energy today these aren't things you have these are things you do and what the benefit of turning in from a noun to a verb is it's a process you know process, in our yeah. online programs we have students in over 180 countries literally we train them in speed reading memory enhancement. Awesome focus, you know, critical thinking skills. So we have a lot of data and so we, we know what's working. And here's the thing, there, for example, for memory, I believe two of the most costly words for people in life, on the court, off the court, in business, in boardrooms, you name it, 
is basically I forgot. You know, those are costly words. When I, so when you say I forgot, right, you lose credibility. You lose yeah, you do. You lose a sale. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot that meeting. I forgot what we were talking about. I forgot. I forgot to to what I was going to say. I forgot the other person's name. I forgot that play. I mean, you know, all those things. You know, really mm-hmm. affect us. You can remember everybody's like in business or in athletics. Everyone's strength and their weakness. You could recall it lightning fast. Gosh, you ultimate advantage. Because most people are just not, you know, quick thinkers. And your ability, really, it's really not even the haves and the have-nots. Is who could outthink and outperform, yeah. outfocus everybody else. But the biggest potential we have, it's not actually in physical strength and movement. Like we, 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 we know what works there. But right. people have not this out the same way. Their brain the same way. And I believe that's where the highest growth ha- happens. Because I was, um, I was actually speaking for Mind Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. Uh, and we were in Estonia and I was at this power plant and I, I filmed a, a podcast episode and I talked about this and I'm going to go through really quickly because there's a big, big power lesson here. It's the difference mm-hmm. between how to, how to work, difference between working hard and working smart. Like nice. we always, you always work you know, hard. A lot, a lot of, we have to work hard to get where we're at, you know, and they, they, you know, that proverb that says, you know, hard work will be talent if talent doesn't work hard. Right. right? So right. you have to do the work. But I'm just saying, if you're going to work hard, you got to work smart also. One of my favorite books behind here is um, by Dr. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits Highly Effective People. Yep. It's one the seventh habit is all about working smart. It's called sharpen the saw. That if you have all this wood you need to cut, and metaphorically, we have a lot of wood to cut. We have things to do. We have you know books to read. We have you know plays to perform, to train. For sure. If you have all that and you have like a dull blade, like when are you going to sharpen that saw? It'd be ludicrous if you had a dull blade just to start suffering and struggling and sweating doing trying to cut wood with a dull blade, right? Like right. a butter knife. It For sure. No sense. So you sharpen the saw first, and then you can go through it so much easier. And that's working smart. Just like that's why people should take a speed reading program because if you have all these books to read, and the reason why leaders are readers. I mean, definitely everyone I've spent time with, Oprah, Bill Gates. I asked Bill. He would. I spoke in Silicon Valley afterwards. Bill Gates comes up to me, and I posted a story on Instagram. I was like, um, "If you have anyone superpower, what would it be?" And Bill Gates was like, "Jim, the ability to read faster." And I was like, oh, "I could totally help you to do that." That's awesome. And Warren Buffett was like, I probably wasted 10 years of my life reading slow because reading processing information four or five hours a day, you're just processing. Think about all the blogs and the websites and the business plans and playbooks, things you're reading, right? If you could just double your reading speed instead of four hours, do it in two hours and save two hours a day. What's Man. two hours? What's unbelievable. Over the course of a year, 365 hours. How many Man. 40 hour work weeks is that? Nine. That's nine weeks you get back saving one hour a day. Two months <laughs> saving one hour a day on something ubiquitous like reading. And the reason why you want to read, for example, I like to get people, we have a, a one book a, a week club. Literally, it's hashtag the number one book a week. And we give out all these Amazon gift cards. I, I mail out my favorite books to people as you know, as a challenge for people because the average person reads about one to two books um, a year, right? Which yeah. Is set, which, the average CEO reads about four or five books a month, you know, almost a book, not a book a week. Fifty. Somebody who reads 52 books a year compared to one, someone who reads one, they have 50 times the advantage. Because here's the thing. If somebody has decades of experience, let's say it's the 
is the world's best you know performance trainer or or, or coach or whatever. They, they have decades of experience. They put into a book, and you could sit down in a day or two and read that book. You could download decades into days, and that's a huge man. And this is trainable because I believe there's no such thing as a good or bad reader. There's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's yep. a trained memory and an untrained memory. We just haven't had that that training. And that's why it's it's so very, very, very important. And I know this because if see, people see me on stage, I'll have 100 people stand up. I just did this the other day. 100 people stand up. They introduce themselves to everybody else in the room, like real time with a microphone. And then I memorize all 100 person, all 100 you know, but and I do that with people. Audiences have given me hundred words or hundred numbers, and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is, every single person listening to this could do that and a lot more. We just weren't taught. If anything, we were taught a lie that somehow our intelligence, our memory, our potential is somehow fixed again, like we, we talked about, and it's not true. So this conversation, I, I believe your work, my work, so many, so much of the work of anyone who's in high performance, really what it's about, it's about transcending. Transcend. It's about ending the trance. Gosh, that's good. Ending the mass hypnosis, because success is a mindset. Right, you could do yep. all the training, but if you have that like, horrible mindset, plus, but if you have a better mindset, you're going to do the training more effortless and more focused and get more out of it, right? So we could talk all about imagination, visualization. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, that that I, I work with athletes on, and that that's the thing. You, you could do all that, but the mindset is where where games are won, right? Yep. Before anyone ever does it, but nobody trains you on how to be able to master your mind. For most people, it's just this black box, or it's just about oh, just be positive and and just yeah. But, you know, that's that's one thing, and as opposed to actually actually doing it. I remember I was um, I was with uh, with Will Smith, and he was he was on on movie set, and we were filming from six p.m. to six a.m. And I believe the primary uh, you know belief I have on when it comes to accelerated learning is that genius leaves clues. Genius leaves clues. If somebody is a genius in any area, technology, art, athletics, that they they're doing certain things other people aren't doing. Like when I do these demonstrations, I, I always tell people there's a method behind the magic. Whenever somebody's successful in anything, there's always a method behind the magic. Now the thing is, is there's no magic memory pill, but there's a ma- there's a magic memory process, right? But I was I was like, this is I was watching him. He was he was, he was excellent. His energy was high, three o'clock in the morning, and I believe part of um part of it is also is his mindset. Like I was like. I believe also thinking, when we're talking about thinking and mastering your thinking, your thoughts, part of it is mastering the questions you ask. Because I believe questions yes. that if people are listening to this right now, yes. you know, they get smarter, if they want to remember more what they read, if they want to even be able to anticipate what other players are doing or other anything, even anticipating the business, they have to be asking better questions because ask and you shall receive. But here's the thing, your brain primarily, people don't realize this, is a deletion device. Your brain is primarily trying to keep things out because at any given moment, there's two billion stimuli that we could be paying attention to. Two billion, right? So we can't pay, consciously pay attention to all that. Otherwise, we would go, we would go crazy, right? So we're all, what do we pay attention to, though? Nice. The things that are important to us that have emotion and things we ask questions about. So, for example, years ago, my sister would send me these emails and these postcards with this dog on it, a picture of a, a pug. Like in these dogs with this mushy little face, mm-hmm. I didn't understand why she was doing it until I realized that her birthday was coming up, right? And that's what she wanted. In the <laughs> so crazy. 
crazy, David. Like I started, you would, I would go to like a, the grocery store and I'd be at the checkout line and somebody would be carrying a pug dog, right? And I was like, wow, what a coincidence. I'd be running in my neighborhood and wow. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, wow. So I saw somebody walking six pug dogs. Now my question for everybody is, where were the pug dogs before? Great they were point. always there, right? but they weren't. They were they weren't part of the the conscious part I could pay attention to. They were in that two billion stimuli noise, right? But according to Harvard University, you can only consciously chunk about seven plus or minus two bits of information. Seven minus two is five. Seven plus two is nine. So if I gave you a list of thirty words to memorize, you probably remember five to nine of those words. Probably. If you go to a party with thirty people, most people would remember just five or nine of those people because that's how much you could consciously hold without some of these memory techniques, right? And so I started paying attention to these pub dogs. Now here's the thing, and this is this is the magic here. It's the payoff. When you're reading a book, have you ever read a page in a book? You get to the end and just forget what you just read. Man, all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you go back and you reread it, and you and you still don't know what you just <laughs> yeah. read. Right. Here's the thing. There's so many answers there, and when you ask questions, then all of a sudden, oh, there's a pug dog. There's a pug dog. There's a pug dog. Because so what it does is it activates that part of your brain called the reticular activating system. They call it an RAS for short, and that's what you're going to pay attention to. And so when I say genius leaves clues there's certain questions that people are asking all the time that gets them to pay attention to high performance and those are the things that people are doing that other people aren't doing that makes the biggest difference big time thank you for joining me on the one percenter podcast hopefully you took something away from today that you can implement into your own life hope you all have a great week thank you for supporting the one percenter podcast go out there and do something for somebody change somebody's life if you change one life that is leaving a legacy the rest is gravy on top remember life is a journey enjoy it david nurse one percenter podcast signing off